Justin and I just really got blessed a couple of days ago with my bike so I'll just tell you the story. I just got a bike like a couple weeks ago. It was a brand new bike that my dad bought me. It was a surprise and I really liked it. A couple days later somebody took it from my backyard and I have no idea who and I just got really upset. The next, like, week or two later, this is what happened, really blessed me home. I came home and I told my mom that I'm really upset that I lost my bike and I really want to ride it. So then my mom told me that Judah, Pastor Judah, sent me a note and she showed me the note and I read it and he said that he had three bikes of his get stolen from him and I was really upset of him. I felt really bad for him about that. And he just told me to pray for those people and bless them and hope for God to help them for the rest of their lives. So that's what I did. I went and asked my mom if she would pray for with me and so I went ahead prayed with her about three minutes later um she was outside talking to my neighbor and she said and the neighbor said oh is this your bike and she showed my mom a picture of it and because somehow someone person who stole it donated it to Goodwill for some reason and so they found it there and one of the neighbors is a helper at Goodwill so it looked exactly like my bike and my mom asked my dad to go check the bike and see if it was the same bike as mine and turns out it was so I got my bike back over in three minutes from after praying from God. So he really blessed me with that. God can do anything. He could help you through any problem. You just gotta pray. You know what he said? God can do anything? A young fellow just said, God can do anything. Do you believe that? I mean, if, if he can return a kid's bicycle, I mean, he said all things are possible. Really? You know, is God only in the business of returning bicycles? I tell you, that's, that was huge to that uh, young fella, Justin. That was important to him. That was important to him, you see. Well, you know, we started talking about last week on our 35th anniversary. <coughs> started talking about, uh, you know, what did the shirts say on them? Faith Living Church makes a difference. And that kind of inspired me to you know, share a little bit about our name, you know, Faith Living, while we got that, and, and just, you know, that it's faith. It's not, it's not the church just because we are a church, but it's, it's the faith. It's faith that makes a difference. It really is. And uh, I venture to say today, 
a lot of you need a difference made in your own life. It might be to, you know, get your bicycle or something. Or it might be in, in uh, other areas of importance, because that was important to that young fella. But whatever it is in regards to you, I'm telling you that faith can and will make a difference. What is it that you wrestle with? What are you having to deal with? What issues are in your life right now that are around about you that you need God to intervene in? You need a miracle in. It, see, it's faith. And, and some people I have heard in my lifetime say, well, you can just go overboard in faith. Nope. You cannot go overboard in true, genuine faith in faith in the Almighty God, believing Him, taking, it at, at his, taking Him at His word, because He's told us so many awesome, life-changing principles. And uh, I'd like to just uh, read a couple of these uh, again today. But remember that statement, if, if nothing else, it's faith that makes the difference. It's faith that makes the difference. And a lot of us need that difference in our lives. You know, we really do. Uh, you know, I've been, anybody here ever go fishing? Go fishing? Yeah. Everybody should fish, you know. I do believe. You're out of God's will if you don't go fishing. I mean, probably. <laughs> he says, I'm going to make you a fisherman. How are you going to be a fisherman if you don't know how to catch a fish? You know what I'm saying? But I've been fishing before. And, you know, reeling that line in, whether it's fly fishing spinning reel, and all of a sudden, boom, and it's like, and somebody sitting beside me goes, that's a log. <laughs> that's a stump. Uh -huh. you, you ever? Yeah. And I'm going, no, it's not a log. <laughs> it's not a stump because I feel the tug. They don't feel the tug, and I feel the tug. And you give me just a little bit of time, and I'll show you it ain't a stop, you know. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, I have an evidence that somebody else who's saying, oh, you're hooked up on a stump. I have evidence that they don't have. And, and therefore, I'm excited, and I'm thrilled, and I'm anticipating dinner, you know, as <laughs> soon as I get him reeled in here, you know. With that in mind, listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, faith is the confidence. We talked about it just a little bit last week, that faith is the confidence, it's the evidence, it's the proof, it's the tug. Faith is the tug that what we hope for will actually happen. See, faith is, is this confidence. It's, it's, it's the evidence, the proof, the, the tug, you know. When you have real genuine faith, you feel the tug. And it's not based on feelings, mind you. You don't see anything with your natural eye. But it says faith is that confidence that what we hope for, and the word hope means what? Expect. You know, the, word, the biblical definition of hope is a confident expectation for the future, for future success. And it says, faith 
is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. See, faith, you know, is, is solid, unshakable confidence in God. And in this day and time, we need faith in Almighty God. What's going on around about us in our communities, in our, our state, in our nation, in our world? Uh, you know, you can't have too much faith in God. We can get mission drift and we can get off course if we're not careful, but we need to, to build our confidence. We need to have the evidence that God is there. You, you sense that tug and you know that he means everything that he says. And when you pray the way he tells you to pray, you know that what you prayed about is going to be taken care of, whether it's a bicycle or whatever else it might be. And see what he did, that young fellow Justin, he forgave. Do you know how important it is to forgive if you're praying about something? If, if you're not forgiving somebody, yeah, you're wasting your time praying, to be honest with you. Unless your first prayer is, Father, please forgive me, and I do forgive those who've hurt me. And as Judah had taught Justin, and, and the lessons that I had taught Judah on three different occasions when his bike was stolen, I learned that lesson when Susan and I was in Bible school, and we didn't have a whole lot of material possessions. We just got married, and someone stole my bicycle. And that's where I learned, you know, I forgave them that night. I felt very violated. I forgave them, and I made a decision. If I see the bicycle tomorrow, I would not ask for it back. But I would share the gospel with that person, but I claimed their salvation. So I'm sure one day I will meet somebody who will come up to me and say, you know, I got saved because I stole your bicycle, you know. <laughs> Somewhere down the line. But it's a biblical principle. You can't steal something from me if I turn around and give it to you. If I give it to you, it says it's going to be given back to me, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Listen to what it says here in Mark chapter 9, verse 23. And Jesus is talking here. And Jesus said, if, 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 you ever get stuck on that word, if? That's one of those conditional words. You know, if a, fro if a frog had wings, he would not bump his tail every time he hopped. If. 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 I mean, we can say if about everything. It's a conditional word. There's conditions based on this. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. In case you missed it, if you can believe, all things are possible to him, what? Who believes. Jesus said that. Well, I can't believe. I can't believe. And what happens is we begin to believe negative stuff. We believe the fears and what we saw in that movie, that's, that scary, horrible movie, or what was in that sofa, we begin to believe that that's going to happen to us. See? Because faith comes by hearing. E even the negative stuff. I mean, believe something bad's going to happen to us, you know? But he said, if, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. See, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. See, 
faith really begins when, when man's power ends. You know, well, I can do that, and I can do that. But like, this is beyond my control. And God's going, well, I hope they look to me. You know, here's an opportunity for them to get close to me. And, and because, see, I want to tell you, the biggest miracle that's ever happened in your life, if, if you know Christ, is that God washed your sins away. That's the biggest miracle. To provide you a bicycle or a meal or heal your body or provide you wisdom or direction, that's secondary to the fact that God forgave your sins and has made a place for you in heaven. And he said this. I didn't write it. Take it up with him. Jesus said, if you can believe all. Now, he didn't say 50%. He said all things are possible to him who believes. See, it's faith. It's, it's believing that makes the difference. It's believing. That's what made the difference. And that's what still makes the difference today. So we're not living in the Bible days. Oh, yes, we are. There are men and women who still take this thing to heart every day. They read it. They believe it. They apply it. And things are happening. They're making a difference. Up until we see Jesus face to face, there will always be men and women and boys and girls who believes it and applies it to their lives. Always will be. It really is. And he said, if... Well, well, well I, I, I don't... I can't really believe. What can I do? He said, faith comes by hearing the word. Are you hearing much of the word of God? Well, I don't really read it much. And I only go to church once in a great while. And Well, your faith ain't going to be that strong. He says faith comes by hearing this book, by hearing his word. That, that's where faith is increased by. And we can do our part, and he'll do his part. And that's just the way it is, my friend. It really is. You know, this is the exact same way it is about any miraculous thing you need God to do. It's the same thing about salvation. Listen to what it says here in Ephesians 2, verse 8. It says, for by grace, you know, God's uh, enabling power, his unmerited favor, it says, for by grace are you, what's that word? Saved. We're talking about salvation. It sends the wash away. You're on your way to heaven. For by grace are you saved through what? Faith. Through faith. See, it's it, it's Faith that made the difference because God has offered grace to us all. But faith enables you to reach out and take hold of it, you see. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. But you just got to reach out and receive it. And then he goes and says in verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. Works alone, even good works alone, don't make a difference. It won't get you to heaven. So to be saved, you need faith. And with genuine faith, it'll always be corresponding works. Real faith just comes with the package deal, you know. But some people try to do the works without the faith, and it just don't, it don't measure up. You can't make that difference. But faith, it makes the difference that nothing else can make. And I believe with all my heart, all of us here tonight... We need that difference in our life. In regards to certain areas of our life, we need that difference. And, and, and I'd, I'd like your faith to get me what I need. But I do know that I can increase my faith. We all have the potential to spend more time with the Almighty. 
We all have the potential to remove those things that steal our faith away, to block the enemies of our faith. And there are certain things comes in like a vacuum cleaner every week to try to suck all of our faith away. Did you know that? Just tries to drain you dry. It, it, it tries to. And you can discuss and talk about what those kinds of things might be. But there are certain ways that faith comes and there are certain things that tries to steal our faith away from us. But anyhow, let's move on to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, by what? We've been made right. We've been saved. We've been born again. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Salvation. See, faith is what made the difference to bring us to Christ. It's faith that made us right with God. It's faith that brought us the peace that we needed in a relationship with God. It's, it's believing that what he did on the cross was good enough and us believing it and accepting it into our own life. And then he picks up in verse 2 and says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. One translation, which I really like the way it read, it said, because of our faith, Christ brought us into this place of highest privilege. Undeserved, highest privilege. Because of your faith, Christ has brought you into the place of undeserved. You don't deserve it. The, the, the place of highest privilege with God, that you can talk to God Almighty. You can't talk to the president. You can't talk to the governor. You can't talk to the, the mayor. You can't even talk to the, police of a chief, uh, the, the chief of police in our town without setting up a long appointment. I mean, you know, you can't even talk to me without setting up an appointment. You can't talk to your... But you can talk to God 24-7. Is that not amazing? The creator of heaven and earth and we can get to him in a moment's time? That is absolutely amazing. Undeserved privilege. The highest privilege, and it says we have this undeserved, this highest privilege by faith. See, faith makes a difference. Faith puts you in the position of highest, highest privilege. Let me read again, verse 2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved, highest privilege, where we now stand. We stand there. And we confidently and joyfully look forward. And, and that's really a good definition of faith is looking forward. You know, looking forward, seeing into the future, looking forward to sharing God's glory. Verse 3 says, we can rejoice too. Rejoicing. I mean, we think of rejoicing when everything's peachy and perfect and, and it's your birthday or you got something that you always want, right? I mean, we think of that. But listen to what he says. We can rejoice too. When we run into troubles and trials. He's talking about by our faith has put us in this position of undeserved and highest privilege and we can rejoice as we're looking forward and we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials and we know that they help us develop endurance. How many of you have endured some trouble? And it's not as difficult now. How many of you learned to endure something... Years ago, and what you endured back then is a piece of cake compared to what you're doing now. There's a learning process, but God is faithful in the midst of it all 
for the man or the woman who has faith in him. And it says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment. You allow these things, your faith to, to naturally grow the way God wants it to and it says it will not lead to disappointment if you'll believe. If, if you abandon your faith and just whine and, and complain and groan and bellyache, there ain't no guarantee your prayers are going to be answered, you know. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us. Do, do you know how dearly God loves you? You know that's important? Because if you don't believe that God loves you, then you're not operating in faith. You're not, you're not believing the truth. You're believing the lie that the devil's whispering, God don't love you. He don't care about you. He's a perfect big stick. You get too close to God. Bam! The devil is a liar, see? If you don't believe that God loves you, how can you possibly believe all these other things that God promised you? You're believing a lie about who he is, and he is love. And he says here in verse 5, and, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his, his love. You know, and, and, and the Bible says faith works by love. And, and, and all these things just go together. And I'll be honest with you, just take him at his word. Take him at his word. Now, Jesus explains here, you know, that faith makes a difference. And I want to read it to you. You may have read this verse. You might can quote this verse, but I want you to read this verse as if it was the very first time he ever saw it. It's in the book of Mark, chapter 11, and I want to start in verse 22. It says, and then Jesus said to the disciples, so disciples are just followers, you know. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. Now what we're talking about here today is that faith, it makes the difference. And all of us need the difference that faith will make. For us, spiritually, mentally, you know, physically, materially, you know, relationally, we need that difference that faith can make for us. And Jesus is talking here, and then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. Have faith in God, you know, because faith makes the difference. And then Jesus goes on to say in verse 23, he says, I tell you the truth. This is the truth. This is not a lie. This is not, you know, true every other week, every other day on holidays and, and not on the week. No, this is true all the time. And he says in verse 23, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. First thing, it rises up in some people's minds. Well, I don't believe that. Well, you'll never see a mountain going into the sea. If you go, I don't believe that. Well, it'll happen, but you won't be there to see it happen. Other people will tell you. You'll read about people's mountains of debt and mountains of health problems and mountains of relational problems. It's just like, they just disappeared. Well, why don't it ever happen to me? Because you don't believe it, see. He said, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. You can say it. I created a mouth on you because you're created in my image, so says Almighty God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, 
May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. Did you read that yourself? Now, is Jesus telling the truth? Or is he a liar? And then he goes on to say, though, but you must really believe it'll happen and have no doubt in your heart. And and I like the fact that he says no doubt in your heart because the devil bombards us with doubts in our mind. And the Bible teaches us how to cast those things down. A bad thought comes and you just cast it down. Bad thought, you cast it down. It just got in the, the mind, didn't get in the heart, see. But he said, you must really believe it'll happen and, and have no doubt in your heart. Now, you remember what we, we read over there in uh, John 15, 7? I don't think I have that in our, in our lineup. But it says, it, Jesus said, if you'll abide in me, in a relationship with me, and my word abides in you, it builds faith. He says, if you abide with me in me and my word abides in you, you can ask anything you want and it shall be done, shall be given. It shall be done, shall be done. And that word shall, it means like if I don't have one in stock, I'll just customize and make you one. Is what it really means. It's not like, well, I'm sorry, there's a lot of people ask for that this week and we're fresh out of those. That's not the way it works. He said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. Now, the truth of it is, some people can, can quote scores of ball games or stock market ticker tape kinds of stuff a lot better than they can quote the Bible. And a lot of people can quote a lot of educational, intellectual, you know, mumbo-jumbo, but they don't really know which end is which necessarily. And Jesus said, if you'll abide in me, my word abides in you, you can ask what you will and it'll be done. And here he is telling us, he says, I'll tell you the truth, that you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. And then he goes to say in verse 24, and I tell you, you can pray for, what's that? Okay, now, is there anything tonight that you need God to do for you? About seven or eight of you? Okay, that's cool. You guys are going to get the blessing, I reckon. He said, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if, here's that word again, you believe, if you believe, if you believe, because see, it's faith, it's believing that makes the difference. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Now, let's just say tonight that you say, Pastor Ron, I got a pocket knife I want to give you. Would you accept a gift from me? I'm going, sure. And he said, I give you, and you get, tell me the name of it, how old it is, and how long you've had it, where it came from, and you say, it's yours. Do you think I could possibly believe that? I'd believe it right now, but you say, it's at home. Hey, I'll see you tomorrow. I go home, I'm telling I got a new pocket knife. Woohoo! Let me see it. Well, I ain't picked it up yet. But I'm a, I'll be seeing somebody at breakfast tomorrow, and I'll show it to you then. See, I believed it. I believed it, and then in just a, a few hours, I actually, you know, it was put in my hand. Does that make sense? You can believe it before you actually can see it with your natural eye. That's all about faith, you see. And he says here in verse 
24, I'll tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. Well, I received that pocket knife, man. Thank God I got me a new pocket knife. I about wore this one here out, you know. It's like, uh, yeah. It says, believe you received it. Thank you. I thank you tonight for it. Does that make sense? Tomorrow, I actually get to put it in my hand. It will be yours. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against because unforgiveness blocks faith. You got a grudge against somebody when you was five years old who hurt you, some school teacher who flunked you in a class that you know she, she didn't do you right, and you, you may be you know, older than I am, and you can still have a grudge, and that grudge can still hinder your faith today. We just got to forgive everybody. Somebody stole your bike, forgive them. You see, that's what he tells us. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins. Okay, it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 13, it says, we, having the same spirit, of faith, according as it is written, listen to what it was written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. Jesus said you could speak to a mountain, didn't he? Only a man or a woman of faith would speak to a mountain of doubt or depression or health issues or financial relations. Only a person of faith would say, I'm telling you, get out of my life in the name of Jesus. Now, you usually do that privately so people don't lock you up and stuff, you know. Jesus said you can speak to the mountain with faith and the thing would be removed. Now, if you go, I don't believe that. Well, as I said before, you will never have a problem with seeing mountains move. They will never disturb you. But I like the idea of mountains moving, don't you? There's a few of you who, who like that. And he says here, we having that same spirit of faith Spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Because what I have learned, that people speak what they believe. They say what they believe. And that's for good or bad, isn't it? But the more and more we believe God, it just like comes out. And he said, tell the mountain to depart. He said to do that, you know. True faith causes us to speak his word, to speak what we believe. And I'm telling you, faith-filled words make a difference versus doubt-filled words. Oh, God, I know you don't hear me now. And I know you're not going to answer my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Why even bother to pray? Go watch TV or something, you know? But people pray that kind of stuff. Pray the word. He says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can ask what you will and it'll be done. He said that. You know. In Romans 10, 9. See the prayer, see the speaking, seeing the believing, it even impacts our salvation. In Romans 10, verse 9, 
He says, if you confess, which means to speak, doesn't it? I did it. Oh, he confessed. He said those words. So if you confess with your mouth, that means talking, speak. If, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, and you believe, see, there's two things. I believe, therefore I spoke. You're filled with faith, he can speak to a mountain. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So to receive salvation, which is the greatest of all miracles, you got to speak what you believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe it with all my heart, and I declare it as true with my mouth, see, and, you, you know, at the end of every service here, we always pray, don't we? And we confess what we believe about Jesus Christ because that's how salvation is obtained, but that's how other miracles are obtained just as well, speaking what you believe. Think about it for a moment. Don't answer it out loud, but think about it. When is the last time you spoke to a mountain that was in your life and made it depart? And, and I'd be happy if it just jumped into the next state even if it didn't make it to the sea. Wouldn't you? There's a mountain on top. I'd be happy if it went, you know, a mile away. But he said it'd be cast into the sea. That's what he said. When's the last time you spoke a mountain into the ocean, you know? You say, well, that, no, that's relevant. That's the truth. We have been desensitized by all the baloney we've heard that it's hard to believe the truth. It's just almost too good to be true, but it is true. He says here, and he explains it right here. Now, I don't know if you understand this ability to speak, but I can go outside at night, and I can go outside when Susan or somebody else is trying to put our dog, Tracker, away in the kennel. Come over here, Tracker. And he's over there kind of hiding his eyes. It's like, I don't want to go. I can just walk. I think I told you this. I can just walk outside. Tracker? Kennel. Do you know what Tracker does? Okay, he runs because of a word. And I'll be honest with you, I don't even have to say it now. I can just go. And he will go. So I really did say it, I just didn't say it loud. But there, there is authority in the ability to speak. And listen to what it says here in Proverbs eighteen twenty. It says, wise words satisfy like a good meal. And I'm going to tell you that these are the wisest words you'll ever read. Wise words satisfy like a good meal, and the right words bring satisfaction. Ooh. And then he goes on to say in verse 21, the tongue. How many of y'all got a tongue? Let me say it. He says here, the tongue can bring death. The Bible, which is absolutely true. You no good, dirty, rat. you'll never mount to nothing. Now, don't think that that does not impact people. He says here the tongue can bring death or life. And you can be speaking all the time. I'm just going to die at early age. I'm just going to get, oh, I read it in the newspaper. I'm, I know I'm going to get sick. And you, then you're surprised that you get sick. Do you know what I'm saying? We're snared by the words of our mouth because he says that here the tongue can bring death or life and those who love to talk will reap the consequences, good or bad. You're going to reap the good consequences of your conversation. 
You can do all things through Christ. You're, you're, you're awesome. You're, you're the head and not the tail. You're going to excel. You're going to pass that grade. You're going to get better. I mean, why don't we speak the truth of God's word? Why don't we speak to that mountain of sickness and command it to depart? Why do we want to say all kinds of negative things about ourselves? And the thing is, even when we know this truth, before we know it, we slip into it. That scared me to death. Man, that drives me up the wall. I mean, I'm sure, you know, you probably see some people climbing walls. It just drives me up the wall. Why do we say those things? The devil tricks us to wasting our breath. And, and there's consequences of what you say to yourself privately and what you say to your family and your friends, your, your children, your siphons, your neighbors, your fellow workers. Will you say them out loud or you just say them inside? You will experience the consequences of what you're saying. So let's change the way we talk if we're not talking according to the word. It says the tongue can bring death or life. I like the idea of it bringing life. What about you? Life, man. Life. Come to us here in the name of Jesus. I like that. Why bother about speaking bad things, you know? He says because in, in here, those who love to talk, good or bad, will reap the consequences, you know. Romans chapter 12, verse... See what I have here? I need a couple volunteers. Three volunteers. I don't care how many comes up. I just need some volunteers up here real quick. Okay? Okay. Just hold your hand. Just keep up with this. Don't let nobody see them. All right? Okay. What? Don't drop it. Don't nobody look at it. It was a nine of hearts, but don't look at it. Okay. All right. So how many cards you got? It's five? Five. Okay. Where'd you get your cards from? If you were playing cards and you were playing for peanuts or something, could you increase what you came to the table with? In theory. Yes. Okay. But who gave you the cards to start with? I did. Is that right? Give them a great hand. They are awesome here. Can I have those cards back? Okay. You say, what in the world did that have to do with anything? I don't know. I just thought it would be fun to do it. <laughs> Listen to what it says here in Romans chapter 12. It says, God hath dealt. Do you understand what dealt means? It says, God hath dealt. Do you think that God would deliberately deal you a bad hand? It says here, God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. God gave you enough of faith to believe him for salvation. He gave you enough of faith to get started in the Christian life. He gave you enough of faith to start a family and to start a business. God gave you the measure. But what are you doing with what he gave you? He gave you the start. He, he dealt it out. And it has nothing to do with cards or poker, but I wanted you to see 
It comes from him. You didn't even originate. He just got us started. He dealt to every one of us a measure, a degree of faith to get us started. And the Bible says, faith comes by. You mean I can get more? Uh-huh. You mean I can get more than all those guys who's got some? We all got some at the same time? You mean I can get more than them? Uh-huh. Does that make sense? You can get more if you want it. But lots of times we don't want it because we want to invest our time with stuff that robs us of faith. That's just the way it is, folks. But God has dealt to every man. He gave us all a certain amount to start with, and then you can use it or you can lose it. That's just the way it is. You know, Hebrews 11, chapter, six, chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And it is impossible to please God without faith, because see, it's faith that makes the difference. And anyone who wants to come to him must believe that, number one, that God exists, and that, number two, God rewards those, and that's everyone, who sincerely seeks him. You believe that God exists, you sincerely seek him, he rewards men and women like that. Their faith is increasing. It pleases him. Abraham believed, and he sincerely sought God. You, you remember what Abraham's name was before it was Abraham? Abram. And then one day God said, hey, I'm changing your name today. No longer is it Abram, it's Abraham. And, and honest to goodness, see, that word, it puts life in power. The only problem was is that the word Abraham, it has a distinct meaning. I mean, you could call him a butcher or a candle maker or, you know, it has a certain meaning. And Abraham means the father of nations. He had no kids. But God spoke it over his life. Abraham. So everywhere Abraham went, he ended up, hey, here's Sarah, my wife, and I'm Abraham. Hey, where are your kids? Well, we don't have any yet with us, but God says there are as many as the stars of heaven and the sands of the sea. He's awesome, isn't he? Every time Abraham introduced himself to someone, he says, I am the father of many nations. God said it about me. Well, we don't see no kids there, Abraham. Don't make no difference. Who are you going to believe, God or somebody who ain't too bright? You know what I'm saying? Who are you going to believe, God or the weatherman? Who are you going to believe, God or the politicians or the news people? Who are you going to believe? You've got to make your own choices up. But I found out that God is 100% absolutely true. Listen to what it says here in Romans chapter 4, verse 20. If I was you, I'd read the whole Romans chapter 4, the whole chapter, before I go to bed. But let's at least read verse 20. It says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. You, Abraham, are the father of many nations. You know? He says he never wavered. Not one time. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. When your faith gets stronger... And you can't see the natural results with your hands. Like, he told me he was going to, you know, bring that pocket. He gave me the pocket knife two days ago, but he, he had to be called out for some reason. We, we're not going to see each other until next week. But I got a pocket knife. But, but I'm not going to get it put in my hand until like two weeks now. But it's still my pocket knife. 
And don't nobody try to go get it from him because it's mine. Do you know what I'm talking about here? You can believe something without seeing the results of it. Immediately the results will come about. But he says here, Abraham never wavered and believed in God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And this, he brought glory to God that he believed more and more stronger every day. He was, what's that word? Fully convinced. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised. And I am fully convinced, if you give me a pocket knife here tonight, I am fully convinced that I'll see it in a couple. I hope to get a couple pocket knives out of this deal here, you know. If not, I'll have to start giving some away. All right. But this is the truth. See, you can believe something and receive something. How many of you believe when all of a sudden your tax person says you're going to get back this amount of from your taxes this year? You, woohoo! You haven't gotten a check yet, but you're already spending it. You believe it, right? Makes sense. We understand what faith is all about. See, faith is confidence that God exists, and faith is is confident that He rewards those who diligently seek him, sincerely seek him. And see, when you love him, you'll seek him. If you don't seek him, it's probably because you don't love him and you don't understand that he loves you. You're afraid that he's mad at you and that he's up, you're not believing the truth. So why would you seek him closely when you're afraid that he's going to hurt you? See, Let me read you a little article. Maybe it'll make a little bit better sense here. Years ago, a military officer and his wife were aboard a ship that was caught in a raging ocean storm. Seeing the frantic look in his wife's eyes, the man tried unsuccessfully to calm her fears. Suddenly she grasped his sleeve and cried, how can you be so calm? And he stepped back a few feet and drew his sword and pointed it at her heart. And he said, are you afraid of this? Without hesitation, she answered, of course not. Why not? He inquired, because it's in your hand and you love me too much to hurt me. <laughs> to this he replied, I know the one who holds the winds and the waters in the hollow of his hand, and he will surely care for us. The officer was not disturbed because he had put his trust in God. See, when you know that God loves you, if God poured out a sword and pointed at your heart, it's like, you love me too much to hurt me. See, when you know him, you understand that. And see, faith works by love. And, and you've got to not listen to the devil. You've got to learn to cast down thoughts, but you'll not ever be able to cast them down if you don't have something to replace them with. When the devil said, you can't do that. Well, when I know it, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, I cast it down with that. And, and to know that God loves us is really important. It says in Hebrews 11, 23, it says it was by faith that Moses' parents, by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months. They disobeyed the law. They, they were supposed to force their son to be killed. But see, they chose God's way over Man's way. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months. 
And they saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid of what the king might do. See, faith made a difference in their life. And they kept Abraham. And you know that um, uh, Moses and the miracle, how he ended up in Pharaoh's household. And it says in verse 24, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, he was raised in Pharaoh's household. Well, you know, by a miracle of events, it says in verse 24, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, he refused to be treated as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. See, his faith made a difference. And he wasn't afraid anymore. Hey, I'm not going to be part of this anymore. It says in verse 25, he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Did you hear that, folks? If you didn't, you've got to pay attention. Fleeting pleasures of sin. Sin comes for how long? For a season. There's pleasure in sin for a season. But what, what, what's going to happen at least probably December, January here in Connecticut? The season will distinctly have been changed, will it not? No more pretty leaves on the trees, you know? No green grass growing out there. You look outside and all you see is white, you know? The season will change, and the Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season, but know for a, sur a surety the season will come to an end. And he said here, that's what Moses understood. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin, and he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of the Messiah than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead, and that's what faith does. It looks into the future. He was looking ahead to the great reward that God would give him. What are you looking to? What are you looking for? Well, where does your eyes go every day? Verse 27 says, It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, and he was not afraid of the king. It goes on to say, Moses kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Faith, number one, looks for and then looks to God. You can see God. God reveals himself to us in his word. He says it over and over. He reveals himself to us. He manifests himself, makes himself real to us in his word. And, and here Moses, it says that he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. By faith he did it. And then it says in verse 28, it was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. And you know what that was all about? You know, we're going to kill this lamb? Sprinkle, sprinkled the blood up there, and then sprinkled the blood here, and sprinkled the blood there. That's what, that's what the Bible tells Old Testament. What, what does that... When you see blood dripping down from there, and then you bring it across here, what do you make? There's a cross there. And, and, and who did that lamb represent? Jesus. And that night when the death angel came throughout the land of Egypt and people, you know, the Egyptians didn't believe it, so they didn't put no lamb's blood on their doorposts, but all the Israelites did. And everywhere in the houses, people were dying in the Egyptians' household. But in the Israelites who had obeyed God because they believed him, there was no, no death, no mourning, no crying. And, 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 and he did what God showed him to do. It says in verse 28, it was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel, 
Keep the Passover. That way the death angel passes over and don't visit your family. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so the angel of death would not kill their firstborn son. And then verse 29. I wish you could imagine this and actually visualize it. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians followed, they were all drowned. I wish we could visualize that. Hebrews 11.29 says, It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea, as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians followed, they were all drowned. See, faith, it makes a difference. It genuinely makes a difference. And you might say, well, that couldn't happen in this day and time. You don't know what you're talking about. The God who we have served from the beginning of time, he, he has not grown weak. He fulfills everything he said. He's looking for men and women, boys and girls, who will believe him, who will have faith in him. And you can move mountains or, or millions of gallons of water, you know, if you need to do so. Hmm. 
Well, you know, we're really beyond our time, so we're going to unplug right here. Some more things I wanted to say. There's always more things I want to say at the end of the service, you know. But we'll, we'll pick up here and continue at another time. But I cannot challenge you enough. Watch biblical movies. Read his word. Chew on it. Meditate on it. God said it, it's true. But what happens is we've heard so many things from so many other people, we struggle with believing. And very well-meaning people come up and say all kinds of doubtful, fearful, worrisome things, don't they? <laughs> but we just need to not be arrogant toward them and all, but be loving and kind. <clears throat> but it's like, you know what? It's faith that makes a difference. It's, it's faith that pleases God. We're here to obey him and to please him and to honor him. And he says, even during troubled times and difficulties, by faith we rejoice in the midst of it. The devil tells us during troubled times, complain and whine and fuss and cuss and make everybody around you miserable. That's what the devil says. But the Bible says during those difficult times, rejoice. See, faith makes a difference and it changes things. It changes things in a miraculous way. And if you'll be patient, we haven't talked about that yet, but if you'll be patient, you will see all that God's promise come to pass. If you'll be patient, you will see it miraculously. So let's bow our heads if we could. Father, we thank you for your word. We believe that it is true. Help us to believe it more. Help us, almighty God, to identify the, the enemies of faith and, and, and refuse to allow those into our lives anymore. And we speak to those mountains of doubt and fear and worry and anxiety and all that. We speak to those mountains and tell them to be cast into the sea in the name of Jesus Christ. And help us, almighty God, to fall in love with you more and more, knowing that you love us too much to hurt us. You care about us. And you have made uh, awesome undeserved privileges available to us. And we want to appropriate those things. We want to be your man. We want to be your woman in these days and times which we live. So your light and your, your, your good news can go from us and touch other people's lives. As our heads are bowed, I'd ask you to join me once again to declare what we believe is true, to reaffirm our faith in God, to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord because that's what we believe in our heart. And if you're here this evening and you've never made that declaration, if you've never prayed that prayer, I ask you to join us right now and let Christ come into your life and bring about a transformation. Would you pray with us right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe your word's true. And give me an appetite for more of your word. Deliver me from the spiritual junk food. From the things that war against truth. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died in my place. And I believe he rose from the dead. I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart right now. And I open that door. And I welcome Jesus in as Savior, as Lord, and as my King. 
I am sorry for my sinful ways. And I declare this day, I will live my life in a way to honor God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you.